Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So as we celebrate Labor Day this weekend, uh, it's probably a good idea to talk about what that holiday means uh, because it's a lot more than just marking the end of summer. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Labor Day, but first let's take a dive into the contract. So today we're talking about your wine garden rights. You've probably heard about it before. Uh, this is something that's guaranteed to you thanks to a Supreme Court case going back to 1975. And basically it's what gives you your right to union representation. Um, so you've got the right to union representation during any investigatory meeting. And uh, that's if it may result in discipline. So if you're questioned by supervision, uh, management, a human resource representative, or any company investigator, and you reasonably expect that discipline or a negative impact on your working conditions may result, you definitely want to request a steward. Um, you could do that as simply as saying, I would like a steward, um, but we have hand out cards all the time down at Union Hall. We've got them available for you, and it's got an official statement you could read. I'll read it to you now. If this discussion could in any way lead to discipline or termination or negatively impact my personal working conditions, I hereby request that my steward or union officer be present at the meeting. Without representation, I choose not to answer any questions. You're only entitled to a union representative if you request it, so you have to make sure that you exercise your right. If the company representative states that you are being disciplined and denies your request for a union representative, you should remain in the meeting, take notes, and request union representation immediately after the meeting. Uh, you definitely want to make sure that you're not answering questions at that time. You have to remain in the meeting, but you should not be taking part in any investigation. If the company representative grants your request, it's also important, don't answer any questions until your steward arrives. It's very easy to get talking, you know, having a friendly conversation. And we hear it all the time from investigators. This is just a friendly conversation. Um, recently, yeah. <laughs> I asked them to clarify for our employee, hey, since this is a friendly conversation, you could guarantee him no discipline will come from this, right? And they immediately clammed up and got uncomfortable. Yeah, well, of we, course. Didn't, yeah. we didn't say that. So. The if you know, unless the boss wants to bring you into his office or her office to talk about the game last night, you know, that's a friendly conversation. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's really it's on the employee to be able to figure out, OK, based on the questions I'm being asked, is this something that I need to be concerned about? It's easy to kind of get rolling and get into a conversation. But if it's about your performance or, you know, in not good performance, you're definitely going to want to you know, have some flags going off. Yeah, just make sure. L listen, there's a couple of things that are important about this. The the phrase reasonably expect, right? This is kind of up to you as the member, as the 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 subject of this investigation or the questioning. It's up to you to determine do I reasonably believe that this could result in discipline? If you do, then ask for a steward. Right. And these folks are not your friend, right? So it's not a friendly conversation. If you're being asked to go into the boss's office and you're being asked questions, it's never a friendly conversation. Yeah. Right. They're, they're investigating solely to figure out if you're in compliance with a company policy. Yeah. And, you know, questions may seem kind of inconsequential, but all of them are geared towards proving a narrative. Well, you or somebody else if they're interviewing you, but you should have your steward there either way. Yeah, either way, you should yeah. have a steward there. If you're being asked questions, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can reasonably expect that it could result in discipline Yeah, if they're asking questions. So ask for a steward. 
don't be intimidated by this. Don't be intimidated by this process. Don't make that mistake. Every one of us as stewards has heard this. Hey, I was just in a meeting and the boss was asking me all sorts of questions about my labor charging and this stuff. Yeah. Don't yes, do we that. We, we have a lot more difficulty helping you if you've already gone through that questioning process and we're not there. Yeah, we can't put the words back in your mouth. So. Exactly. Exactly. So please don't be shy. Don't be intimidated by it. Request a steward and don't answer any questions until you, until you get one. Yeah, we have a lot of intelligent members and you may feel like, you know, I'm well versed and I can take care of myself. I don't, you know, or I have a good relationship with management so I can deal with this myself. But a steward is going to know not only how other people are treated and the ins and outs of all the policies, they're going to know how to advise you. Um, and you're going to have the ability to take a break from that investigation, step outside and confer with your steward in a caucus. So definitely don't forgo that opportunity. Yeah, and to paraphrase uh, uh, something that I've said on this podcast before, the member who represents his or herself has a fool for a steward. Yeah. yeah. So yes. don't do not do it. Don't represent yourself. There's a reason why we're here. Okay, that's good, Jason. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about what we're here to talk about. It's Labor Day, right? The, the Labor Day is this weekend. And um, that's what we're going to we're going to talk all about Labor Day, kind of a history and, and what it's all about. Um, so in this country today, Labor Day is really just a day off of work. Right. And it's the last opportunity to get outside, have a picnic, have a barbecue, um, kind of say so long to, to summer. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and for just about everybody, it marks the end of summer and the, the you know, the back to school season. That's what it is, but but that's not what it is, right? So obviously, uh, this evolution has come about because of the timing of the holiday, right? It sits right at the end of summer. Uh, it's traditionally been celebrated with parades and, and picnics, and, and that's appropriate, but we've largely lost sight of why we're celebrating Labor Day. Yes, we have. Why we're taking the day off. Yep. Um, so I think it's important to, to first understand the history of the day. So let's talk about how Labor Day came about. Yeah, so the, the first Labor Day was actually September 5th, 1882, when some 20,000 workers in New York City took the day off without pay and marched from City Hall to Union Station to celebrate the working class. Right. And these were skilled tradespeople who took part in this event, and that's considered to be the first Labor Day parade. That's why we actually w walk in a parade every yep. year. Um, this was, over the years, became a great source of pride amongst unions. They would all get together and kind of showcase their industry as they yep. walked through yep. the parades. Yep. And they've gotten smaller over the years, unfortunately. They have. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see a Labor Day parade today that has 20,000 participants. No. Unfortunately. But back then, they really had a goal for the parade, and it was to make a statement about the importance of working people and their contribution to the country. So back then, there was definitely lots of different classes of people, you know, different immigrants from different yep. countries, and people were very proud to show their contribution to, you know, our nation. Yep. And, and listen, it was it was a protest, sort of, right? Uh, th these folks were, were out there saying, hey, pay attention to us. You know, we're, we're not to be... Uh, you know, treated like downtrodden people, yes, right? We're exactly. not being treated like second-class citizens. Um, we're the reason that this country is prospering. And, yeah. I, and as it is then, and as it is now, workers are what make the world go round, yeah. and we should celebrate now even more. For and sure. That, so that's why we celebrate it. Right? Yeah, that's what they were going for. It was really a grassroots campaign, and they were looking for what they called the workman's holiday. Yeah. Right. And 
that parade was just the beginning, right? And I call it a parade because that's what it's morphed into. That was a march. Okay, yeah. they marched from City Hall to Union Station uh, just to you know to be noticed, to be recognized. Yeah. Um, but it it took a good four years, four and a half years. February twenty first, eighteen eighty seven, uh, Oregon became the first state to make Labor Day an official state holiday. So four and a half years after that first, quote, Labor Day parade, we actually had a Labor Day holiday in one state. And uh, after that, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York followed shortly. Right. So so then we have five states, right, Um, right around that time. Five years after the first Labor Day, we have five states who are observing a workman's holiday, Labor Day. It wasn't until 12 years later that we had a bunch of states doing it, right? A majority. In, in around 1894, we had 31 states that had authorized Labor Day as, a, as an official state holiday. So it's a long, pretty long struggle, right? Yeah, change is always slow, it seems. Right? So let's talk about, because I think this is what we're here to talk about. Let's talk about who these folks were. Right, because I don't want people to think that Labor Day was founded on this happy celebration. Yeah. Right? Because that's not really what it was. Um, it, it was a statement. It was people in labor saying, hey, you know, we deserve to enjoy our lives just like everybody else. And this was at a time when working people were not enjoying their lives. So it, it's important to know who they were. Right. In 1882, who were the people who were pushing for a Labor Day holiday? Um, And to know who they were requires knowing what the state of this country was at the time. So if you go back several decades right into the earlier 1800s, the country was transitioning from an agricultural economy. And we were right in the middle of the Industrial Revolution. Right. So we were leaving farming. And factories were opening up, mills were opening up, mines were opening up, um, and we were, you know, we were smack dab in the middle of that industrial revolution. And it was, it was a difficult time. It was a really unsettled time in our country because we were kind of growing too fast, right? The country was changing really fast. Yeah. Industry was growing at breakneck speed, uh, and, and that growth brought a massive flow of immigrants into the country. They were all looking for that opportunity, right? The American dream. And they didn't have these opportunities where they were from, right? Um, The Irish, the Italian, um, they they were all coming here looking for these opportunities. And it created a situation where business had such a large workforce, right? Or potential workforce that they were able to drive down wages knowing that there were lines of people looking for jobs. They could drive down wages. They didn't care about working conditions because if you quit your job or died on the job, they just pick the next guy in line. Yeah. This industrial growth with increased number of immigrants coming into the country with the absence of of regulations created bad work, uh, work conditions all the way around. Well, yeah. And so, so regulations are a big part of it, right? Again, the country was growing so fast in terms of of its industrial base yeah. that the government didn't have time yeah. to to figure out how they should be doing yeah, things. Exactly. Yeah. And there then, were no rules. And also how to enforce it, right? Yeah. It right. takes time right. to set that up. Absolutely. So uh, again, so many workers were available. The the bosses just paid rock bottom wages. 
um, because they knew there were scores of these desperate yeah. immigrants who couldn't find any work. Um, they were waiting to fill any vacant job there was. Uh, so, you know, you, you get a guy into the factory, you treat him like crap, you pay him like crap. Yeah. He lasts six months. That's great. I just yeah. grab another one get when somebody he's else. Yeah. Uh, so that effect, you know, it went it went way further than just bad wages, right? The working conditions were deplorable at best, yeah. right? Deadly working conditions in most cases, uh, because again, there's so many people willing to take these jobs. They didn't yeah. care about making the the jobs more desirable. Um, you know, we had kids working. Yeah. Side by side with adults, making a fraction of the wage that adults were making. The other thing, too, is when somebody got injured or killed, there weren't you know regulations in place to compensate them, to provide care, to make sure that their families were taken care of. Oh, no. So, I mean, you'd see people that were working, you know, mangled in some cases because yeah. they had to, you know, yeah. they had mouths to feed. In fact, it was actually the opposite, Jay. The companies in most cases or in many cases, I should say. Big companies provided housing for their workers. And and this wasn't, you know, it wasn't a gift. Yeah. It, it, it actually was a moneymaker right. for these companies. It didn't cost a lot of money to, to build a home back then because, again, you had cheap labor. Yep. Right. You could build a house essentially for the cost of the materials. So they're building these multifamily dwellings. They're putting all of their workers up in these houses and they're they're paying them just enough to put food on the table. And to your point, Jay, when when a worker died on the job, they actually strong armed the family and said, and this happened actually in my family, uh, you know, obviously a hundred years before I was born, but. Um, my mother's uncle was a mine worker and he died on the job and his son at eight years old had to go work in the mines because the family was going to be thrown out of the housing if they didn't provide another worker for the company. That's Isn't that terrible. amazing? That shows how terrible. they looked at people. Yeah. So that's what happens, yeah. right? That's or happens. That's what happened yeah. back then. You know, they would put you up, they would, you would be indentured to the company and if you died, your kid was going to go work in that factory or in that mill or in that mine to take your place, or your family was going to go out on the streets. The other, place, the other place kids were used a lot was in tight working conditions. So you needed to fit yeah. a child into a small machine to yeah. do a repair. And talk about sketchy places to use any worker. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Most of those kids lost appendages at, oh. you know, on the job, losing hands and fingers and arms and legs because the machines were ripping them off. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, they're crawling under these machines to fix them or maintain them. So um, that's, that was your job. They were doing your job, Vinny. Pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. much. Machine repair <laughs> was a kid's job back then. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. At the yeah. height of the Industrial Revolution, the average American actually worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and earned just barely enough to survive. Right. Um, children as young as five years old worked in the same factories, milled and, mills, and mines as their parents, yep. which... I can't even imagine as I'm a parent to a four, a four-year-old yeah. to look at my son yeah. down the row and see him going through the same thing you're going through. That has to be yep. a special kind yeah. of, you know, emotional trauma yep. as a parent. And your son would make a fraction of what you made because he's a fraction of the size that you are. Literally paid kids less because they were smaller. Yeah. Well, they don't pay me more for being fat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should. Should they we do that? They probably should have. Yeah. Uh, so this, what we're talking about, right? These conditions, these 
poverty wages, these, uh, you, you know, the factories and mills and mines that were literally death traps. This is what started the American labor movement. Those are the things that started people forming unions and collectively protesting uh, against the bosses. So let's fast forward into the mid-1800s when unions were forming, okay? Um, Unions formed pretty well established in the mid-1800s. They started to go on strike. They started to protest against these working conditions, these these poverty wages. Um, And by the 1880s, unions actually had gained some ground, right? So these workers who went on this march on that first Labor Day, they were in established unions who had who had made some headway, right? The the work day by the 1880s was was a 10 hour work day instead of a 15 or 12 hour work day. Um, They were probably still working seven days a week. Yeah. Um, If not, they maybe had Sundays off you know, to go to church, yeah, but definitely working six full days a week. But they were still making inadequate pay, They and they had to go on strike, right? Um, but their strikes at this point, the bosses were kind of getting, getting smart about it, if you will. I don't know if smart's the right word to use, but they started paying off the cops, right? They, they owned the police force. Yeah, They'd pay the cops to essentially violently react to the strikes. Yeah, not just cops either. They'd pay just straight thugs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just about anybody. That's yeah. where the Pinkertons yeah. came from, right? right? The Pinkertons were just a bunch of thugs that the bosses paid to go break strikes up. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's funny because nowadays you think about how companies complain about, you know, these big bad union workers on their strike lines, but they're the ones who started all this. Yeah, you sure know? did. Exactly. And you see all these companies, when people are trying to organize an industry, they start voluntarily increasing benefits and all that. But this is a good window into how things were when life was unchecked by you know unions and yes. collectively bargaining. Yeah. When the employers had all the power. So I want people to imagine that, right? And I know that we're so bombarded with images of, of violence and, you know, other stuff that we get numb to it. And it's hard, it's hard to put ourselves in those positions. But as union workers, we are in a much different place than these folks were back then. Yeah. And I, I want people to imagine that, right? I want you to imagine that when you take a stand as a union worker— and you say, I'm a union worker. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take this anymore. Imagine someone putting a gun to your head and saying, you know, w- why don't you shut up and disperse and go back home? Yeah, keep exactly. your mouth shut. Right. This is what happened. They were they were threatened. They were not just threatened. Unionists were killed. Unionists died to try to make their lives better for them and their families. I think ever since this has gone on, companies have been practicing kind of threading the needle with how far they can push the working class before they break, before they yes. get together and before they start really you know, pushing back. And we're at that point again with wage inequality, with you know, inflation, what it's that. Are. People are getting fed up. And you really, the only way you ever make an advancement is by ganging up with the other people and sticking together. That's how you control your you know, little corner of the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, there's laws today, right, that would probably protect us against uh, Pinkertons, you know, beating us over the head with clubs when we go on strike. Yeah. But, you know, make no mistake about it. The, the bosses still have that same attitude. 
Yes, they do. And to that point, laws really impact the ability, you know, how effective we can be. We've seen in the past few years that some changes in some labor laws have really helped unions in terms of being able to unionize different workforces, the way that they group together different stores. You know, Starbucks was a good example. They have a small unit in each store, and it's very easy to just go pick off one store versus in the past, they would lump, you know, multiple stores together in a region and make that one election. So how the laws are set can totally make a difference. Sure it can. And basically, because it's illegal to beat people over the head when they're on on strike, that that's why they don't do it. Otherwise, they probably still would. But yeah, so they beat us over the head in different ways. Yeah, yeah, I, right. exactly. And they and I know there's still altercations with the police when things get a little rowdy. And now there's always a camera on every strike line. So yeah. you you really have to know the law and operate within it. Yep. It's not the same as it used to be. So I, I just I, I want to impress on our listeners that, you know, these are the people who marched that day. Yeah. The, the you know, it was union workers who marched to Union Station that day. It was a union rally. There's not a question about it. It was a union rally. Um, and Labor Day is a product of the labor movement, right? It's a union holiday. I always tell people that. It's not just a workers' holiday. It was created by us, by union workers, to make sure that the country understood our value. So uh, imagine being one of those workers, right, back then, working under those conditions, right? You're, you're working every day, probably 10 hours a day. Yeah. You're making just enough money to put food on your table, to pay the rent if you have a rent, if you're not working in or living in uh, company housing. Uh, there are no leisure activities in your life, right? You're not going on vacation. You're not even going for a day trip with your family. That stuff didn't exist for workers back then. For workers like us who worked in factories and mills and, and mines, they didn't have that. They did not have leisure activity other than tossing a ball around in the yard for, yeah. for a couple of minutes with their kids, right? You worked and slept and survived. That's terrible. That's terrible. what you did. So, um, it, you know, and it brings me back. I always think about the pictures I see of baseball games back then. Yeah. I'm a big baseball fan, so I, I watch, you know, baseball history shows and stuff like that. And you look at the crowd that's watching the baseball game. They're all well-dressed, well-to-do people. Yeah. There's no workers in the crowd. You know, they're all wearing fancy fedoras and collared shirts and ties, and they're, they're, not, they're not working people. They're all well-to-do people because they have the money and they have the time to do that back then. Us, we were in the factory and in the mill. So imagine that, right? Put yourself in that place. Um, your, your life is work. Your life is work and making sure that your family survives. Uh, so these guys who can't afford to take a day off from work, they take a day off of work. They cannot afford this, but they do it anyway. They do it to make a statement. They do it to say, Hey, this is what we deserve. We deserve a day off to celebrate ourselves, to, to have fun, to spend time with our families. That's what Labor Day was about. It wasn't about just celebrating workers. It was about saying, hey, we deserve to live a better life. We deserve time in our lives to just spend with our family and enjoy life. Yeah, and that's at a time where there was no weekend. So they were literally asking for one day a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. 
And, and you know, imagine I keep going back thinking of kids on the workforce, but imagine looking down the line and the person next to you, you don't care if they're Italian or if they're Irish, exactly. but they're going through the same exact struggle as you. And then you look a little further down the line and you see a kid and it's a, a splitting image. I mean, what a reminder that this is going to be your kid's reality. Yeah. So imagine, you know, the feeling walking out the door and, and saying, all right, we're going to strike. It had to be pretty unreal. Yeah. yeah. No question. Um, you know, so listen, picnics and parades, definitely appropriate yeah. for, for Labor Day. Sure. Uh, you know, that's what they did. They they celebrated the day with picnics and parades. So it's certainly appropriate. But, you know, let's not just have a cookout. Let's think about those folks who made those sacrifices that, that made that day possible. Um, I think it's really important for us, especially as union workers, to remember the real meaning of the day. It's important to remember um, what life was like for those folks that started the movement. Um, and and th- this day is to honor them, um, to honor the people who had the guts to put everything they had on the line yeah, exactly. so that we can live a better life today Absolutely. as workers. It's about the contribution of the workers. And now today we see that more than ever with, you know, people working from home and the economy the way that it is. It it should be a reminder that we should be proud of our contribution and we should demand, you know, our worth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You you know, I mentioned it earlier. The bosses haven't changed. I want to make that clear because that's my opinion. The bosses haven't changed one bit. Right. It, and when I say bosses, I, I want people to understand the meaning of that term. When I talk about bosses, I mean, you know, business owners. Yes. Right. The people who are running these huge corporations. Yes. I'm not talking about our supervisors and our managers. Yeah. I'm talking about the big bosses who have, you know, the pockets full of money. They haven't changed. They're, they're still today. They're driven solely by greed for profits. And, and they're still willing to do whatever they can get away with in order to fill their pockets yes. with money. Uh, and, and we shouldn't make any mistake about that. That Absolutely. is their goal. And they're going to do everything they can get away with. Yeah. And they want to squeeze as much out of every worker as they can. No doubt about it. Uh, so the labor movement, the one we celebrate this weekend on Labor Day, is the only reason that the bosses don't drive us back into the conditions that those first paraders in 1882 worked under. Yes. That's what keeps us here. Um, I want to make one comment before we wrap up our discussion about Labor Day. I did some research to do this episode, and one, for me, disturbing thing popped up. Uh, because I was trying to, I was trying to find out like what they do in right to work states. How do they celebrate Labor Day in right to work states? Is there a difference? And I was horrified by a couple of things that I found. I found some op-ed pieces written by governors and state officials in yeah. right to work states who were, you know, saying Happy Labor Day. You know, go out there and celebrate workers and their contributions to our country. And and I was horrified by that. By the fact that these people who wrote this legislation, who passed this legislation, yes. that is solely anti-union, it, it exists to make unionizing harder, it exists exactly. to weaken unions, it exists to break unions. Oh, so it's not about the right to work? Yeah. It's no, not. It's I, definitely I, not can you about believe the it? right to work. So, so th- these elected officials, governors, whoever they are— um, they continue to allow these laws to be on the books in their states 
my opinion, they should just shut the hell up yeah, when it I comes agree. to Labor Day. Just let it pass. Yep. Right? Leave it alone. Don't rub salt in the wound by making statements about how you respect workers. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't remember, a right to work state, we have 28 of them in our country. Yep. Right to work means that you can be in a union shop and not pay any dues whatsoever, but you can demand yes. representation. So yeah, that'd right. be like, I'm not a AAA member. My car broke down. You call up AAA and they're required by law to come yeah. jump your car, change your flat tire and send you on your way for free. Yeah. For free. That's not how the world works. And it's actually, you know, it's going down in states that are largely, you know, conservative. And the conservative belief is not that you should get a free rider benefit. It's yeah. that you should work for, you know, what you're given. Um, and I think most people would agree with that. So, yeah. And that's the problem, right? One of the biggest problems with with right to work is the lie that they perpetuate, right? Yes. They, they try to make it sound like something good, like, oh, this is about your freedom to disassociate with an organization that you don't believe in. No, right. it's not. That would be one thing if that were it on its own. But the fact that the union then has to go provide the benefit for you, and the union has secured a higher wage for you and secured yeah. better benefits for yep. you, and that's why we have an agency fee in a lot of states that it, where it's yes. allowed, because the union should be compensated for those yep. benefits. And yes. We, we do work for you, right? We bargain a contract for you. We represent you when you have a problem. When the company wants to fire you, we represent you. Yeah. So we charge a fee for that service. Right. So right to work is really just about trying to gut the union's ability to, you know, finance itself. Yeah. It's, it's basically yep. designed to bankrupt the union. It is. So bottom line. I say, how dare these people who, who run these states? How dare they dishonor workers by even making statements about Happy Labor Day? The legislation that they write and support and sign into law dishonors the union and workers themselves. Exactly. So just leave it alone. Just shut up on Labor Day. All right, so we got some labor activity going on. We haven't talked about this in in, in a few episodes, I yep. think. So uh, we probably got a lot going on. What's going on out there, Vinny? So Trader Joe's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, voted to unionize. This is their second location. Two. Two, yeah. Love it. The other one's Hadley, Massachusetts. This one's Minneapolis. It's happened on uh, August 12th. They voted 55 to 5 in favor of joining the union. Nice. I think this is going to be the next Star Starbucks way – Similar to Starbucks wave. Yep. It seems to be uh, picking up steam now. So, so folks out there, stay tuned for yep. episode after episode after episode of Trader Joe's on our on our podcast. Yep. <laughs> Starbucks has definitely evolved a little bit right down in Memphis, Vin. Yep. So a federal judge in Tennessee has ordered Starbucks to offer to reinstate seven fired baristas following a union organizing drive down Memphis. So they were fired. I mean, the company saying that it wasn't because they're unionizing. They found things, ways to terminate them. But these seven people were heavily involved in the unionizing drive. So they're going back to work. Yes. Nice. Yeah, Starbucks is going to uh, appeal the decision, but um, hopefully they don't get anywhere with that. Starbucks okay. up in Boston is having one of the longest strikes to date so far at Boston University. I saw on Teamsters 25's uh, website. Yeah, they, they've been out for a while, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's pretty cool what they're doing. They work with uh, Teamsters 25 to maintain the picket line at all times. And as long as there's a picket line set up, 
UPS actually has it in their contract that th- for safety reasons, they're not required to cross any picket awesome. line. So as That's long as they've awesome. got at least one member outside that Starbucks, Local 25 is not delivering a single thing to that store. That is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So it's cool to see different unions, you know, kind of working together to uh, make sure the impact is felt. It's the way it should be. We should all work together because it makes uh, makes us all stronger that it, way. It, it does, and it brings light to um, why we should be actively trying to organize FedEx and, yes. and other carriers like yes. that so that we can, you know, completely shut down places like XPO. that. XPO. You know, yeah. people probably wonder, you know, well, why should I care? Why should I care? If, if anybody remembers back to our strike, public sentiment about the workers is important, right? Yeah, sure You is. need people to, to feel for you. And that's what was at the core of these first Labor Day parades was – not really caring, you know, what industry you're from. Everybody was going through the same struggles and was willing to support each other. Yep, no question. What else is out there? And uh, so in New York City, Chipotle has agreed to pay $20 million in compensation to 13,000 workers for violating rights, rights about scheduling and paid sick leave. Uh, this is uh, this settlement is the largest worker protection settlement in uh, New York City history, according to the mayor's office. Chipotle will also pay uh, $1 million in civil penalties. That's a big deal. They had people working off the clock, I believe. There was all kinds of yeah. allegations out there. The Chipotle uh, agreement stipulates that anyone who worked in an hourly position in New York City will receive $50 for every uh, week worked from November 26, 2017 to April 30th, 2022. Former Chipotle uh, employees must file a claim to receive the payment. That's a good chunk of money. That is a good chunk of money. I don't have my calculator in front of me, but that's a good chunk of money. 50 bucks for every week that you worked over a five-year period? Yep. Wow. Well, Amazon just Play had dirty. A, I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw Amazon had a big walkout, too. Over 160 workers walked out of uh, one of their California plants in San Bernardino. Oh, yeah, I saw really? that. That is awesome. Yeah, it was an Amazon Air Hub. Uh, yeah, I think I believe they did that to demand more pay. Yeah, they did. And it was pretty cool to see the videos, everybody walking out. Things are happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is that it, Vin? Uh, for right now, yes. All right. So we got some upcoming events at Local 1150. What do we got? Coming up, we've got our annual scholarship fund golf tournament. It's September 10th at Oxford Greens. It is sold out, but let us know if you want to volunteer. Yep, so people got on board on that tournament pretty quick, and we sold out of foursomes on that. But still a fun event to um, to, to come to and take part in. We need lots of volunteers, so uh, if you want to do that, that would be fun. And then September 21st, we're resuming our membership meetings. They're at 1 and 4 o'clock. I'm assuming we'll have a food truck for you, and we're definitely going to have some updates on the coming contract and negotiations, so you definitely want to come down, get an idea what's going on. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really important meeting. For, for people to be at. Yes. So um, we got to get the word out. You know, if you know folks that aren't listening to our podcast, first of all, give them a big old slap for us and tell them to listen to the podcast. But more importantly, tell them to get to that September meeting. Uh, there's there's going to be lots of important stuff to talk about at that meeting. And as always, uh, keep checking our app, check our website for events that pop up, right, for caucus meetings and things like that. Um, they pop up pretty quickly and and they'll be on the app and the website. Yep. For anybody who's looking for it in the app, you could go to news and events, click what's new, or you could go to news and events and click the calendar. Our calendar is going to have all the events loaded in it. um, And it's a great place to make sure that you're up to speed with what's going on. Cool. 
So as always, we are going to end this episode with, uh, with some quotes about labor or by labor folks. So what do we got, Vinny? So the first quote is from the only boss that I want to hear from. <laughs> Unions have been the only powerful and effective voice work, uh, working people have ever had in the history of this country. And that's from Bruce Springsteen. The real boss. The real boss. What else? And the other one is, there are folks out there who say, it doesn't impact me. I'm not a union guy. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a civil servant. Let me tell you how it, it does matter to you. Wages are going down in this country for everybody. When you destroy unions, there will be no standard at all. Nobody left to negotiate decent jobs for the middle class. And that is Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont. Nice. Thank you. Um, that's good stuff, Vinny. Um, and that's going to just about do it. So I think we have to say happy Labor Day to everybody. Happy Get Labor out Day. there. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Don't go to work. Right? This is the day off that we, it, yes. that we get for, Don't for Labor Day. Right? But if you do work, make sure you take a look at your check the following Thursday. Check Could, out that double time and say thank you to yeah, the unions. You get <laughs> compensated sweetly for, for working that day. Um, but we want to we want to say that happy Labor Day to everybody, and we want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for downloading. Remember to email us. Tell us what you like about our podcast. Tell us what you hate about our podcast. Um, tell us what you want to hear on the show because we want to make this what you want to hear. Email us at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Remember to follow us because if you're not following us, shame on you. Go to Podbean right now and follow us. But thanks for listening. Um, and until next time, I'm Stephen French. I'm Benny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.